God, it's gonna get ugly, man. They're gonna buy you drinks. Don't take drugs! They're gonna fly you places for free. It's Bowie! You're gonna meet girls. We are not groupies. We don't have intercourse with these guys. Just blowjobs, and that's it. Amen! The following podcast is a Carolina Boys production. Welcome back, everyone, to Crime and Entertainment. I'm your host, Hollywood Wade, and we hope everyone enjoyed last week's episode, Round 2, with Anthony Ramonde. We also dropped a bonus episode on Friday, Round 2, with Ignacio J. Esteban, former ATF agent, where we talked a little more uh, OC and corruption and things of that nature. A lot of good feedback off that Ramonde episode. People really liked that we dove into his relationships with other players at that time and just kind of got a little bit more uh, in depth, if you will, some of the old normal interviews that we would have uh, with him and the other people have done. But today, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to focus more on the entertainment side of things than the crime because we've got photographer of the rock stars, Edward Dose on the show. Now, now Edward got his start working for Stevie Nicks, dad back in the day. And one of his first gigs was actually hanging out with Steven Tyler. And I mean, it just kind of went on from there. I mean, he took pictures of David Bowie, Ronnie James Dio, Kiss, Buddy Guy, Elton John. I mean, the list goes on and on. He's got a fantastic story. Very cool. Kind of a almost famous type story. You know, the movie Almost Famous, except instead of a writer, he's doing, you know, the, the photography for these guys. And, you know, as many people know, when you remember CDs from back in the day, a lot of times you remember the album covers, you know, it's classic Nirvana cover with the baby in the pool. Um, you know, a album cover can make or break or used to not necessarily today, but used to a album cover can make or break, you know, that album and had to have that catchy cover. And I think people underappreciated back then the value that good photography Gave you know nowadays obviously photography is much more in your face with apps like Instagram and things like that. I think it gives people a better appreciation of photography. But back in those days, you know, you weren't able to showcase a lot of your stuff. So you know, being a good photographer was paramount to keeping your career going, and a lot of times paramount to the career of the bands because if you had a bad picture or a bad album cover, even if your music was good, it just wouldn't resonate. It wouldn't stick. So, you know, the great pictures you see of people, you know, giving it their all on stage is like that moment captured in time. I mean, you know, it's a gift that not everybody has. And Edward Dose definitely has that gift. And I'm not going to waste any time, folks. Let's get right in to the episode today with rock star photographer Edward Dose here on Crime and Entertainment. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Crime and Entertainment. We have here a very interesting guest for you guys this evening. Please welcome to the show, Edward Dose. Edward, how you doing, my friend? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Man, I'm making it. Can't complain. Been fighting these damn electronics here to get this show up and going. But we're here. Now, for people that may not know your name by the sound of it or by, you know, might not ring a bell, we're going to get into exactly what it is that you do. And we can take a look at all that artwork you got there behind you. You are actually a professional photographer who specialized in shooting some of the biggest names in music that I believe anybody has ever heard of. You've got quite a story, but before we get into that, uh, like any good story, we want to start from the beginning. Kind of tell us a little bit about where you grew up and was photography kind of something you were wanting to get into from jump or did it come later on? Tell us about that. Well, uh, I, I was born in Brooklyn, New York. My grandfather was a famous photographer in Manhattan. Um, I never even thought about photography, not really. Uh, when I was a kid, uh, when I was 16 years old, I worked for Mr. Nix, Stevie Nix's dad at Compton Terrace in Tempe, Arizona. And he knew that Aerosmith was my, uh, Steven Tyler was my hero. 
Uh, and he knew that I liked taking pictures, which meant I took pictures of my friends uh, <laughs> and stuff like that. So he said, uh, I'll pay you to take pictures of Steven Tyler. And I was like, oh, my God, really? So I got to spend the entire day with Steven Tyler. Um, most of the night I stood on the side of the stage and watched Aerosmith perform. And then afterwards, I took pictures of him afterwards and uh, getting into the limousine and so forth. So that was my that was my start into uh, professional photography. And even then, I really didn't think anything more about it than just taking pictures for Mr. Nix. Um, it wasn't really until maybe uh, 10 years after that that I thought, well, I could probably do this for money. <laughs> because Mr. Nix didn't really pay me that much. Um, so I started taking pictures of friends and things like that for, for money and, and started doing that. And then I went into my real estate uh, career. Uh, didn't really think too much about photography, but kept doing it uh, with different bands and things like that, different people, actors, actresses, uh, so forth, and never really paid that much attention to it. I would take pictures at concerts, Ronnie James Dio and uh, David Bowie and, you know, things like that. And I never kept any of the stuff because I really didn't think anybody except me would want to see any of these pictures. So there's negatives, uh, you know, back when 35 millimeter had negatives, uh, there's negatives somewhere in a box, somewhere in storage that has, you know, all these pictures and negatives that are probably not very well taken care of or protected <laughs> uh, sitting in a box somewhere. And it wasn't until maybe five years ago, four or five years ago that I started paying more attention to what I was doing, uh, who I was shooting and taking better care of the, you know, the whole situation, um, putting everything on hard drives and uh, editing things and sending them to uh, publicity people and, uh, um, things like that and putting them online. And then people started noticing this stuff. So uh, the people that know me now think that I just kind of started, you know, four years ago. Uh, and I haven't, I've been doing it since 1984, 83 or 84. Um, and so that it just went on from there. And now I have a studio in the house. Um, you know, people come actors, actresses, directors, movie directors, uh, fashion designers, things like that. They all come, musicians come, uh, and we shoot in the studio or I go out to the concerts and shoot at the concerts. Wow. That's cool. So how did you go about getting that gig with Stevie Nicks? I mean, or Stevie Nicks's dad, rather, did you have an inside track? Did you know somebody? How did that, how did that go down? No, I was a skinny little white boy with long hair and, uh, walked up to uh, Compton Terrace and I said, who's in charge? And they said, Mr. Nix, he's over in that trailer, but you don't want to talk to him. I said, yeah, I do. So I marched right into the trailer and he's like, can I swear on this? Oh can yeah. I yeah. You do what yeah. you want, so man. <laughs> he, I knocked on the door. He says, who the fuck is that? And uh, <laughs> I opened it. I just opened the door. He didn't even say come in, but I opened the door and I said, uh, I want a job. And he said, you're too young. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> so, well, I'm not leaving until you give me a job. And uh, I kept pestering him the whole time that he was there and he kept wanting me out. And I, and the, the more he pestered me, the closer I got to him. And I, I just kept saying, I'm not leaving without a job. And finally he just went down and <clears throat> he went down this whole list. You can't tell your friends that you work here because they'll all want backstage passes. Yeah. You bust your ass. If I catch you slacking, uh, you know, you're out of here. If I catch you messing with the artist, you're out of here. I mean, there was a huge big list of things, which he didn't write down. He just told me um, all this stuff. And I said, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And he said, all right, here's this guy. Go talk to him. He's got tattoos all over his neck before tattoos on people's necks were popular. Uh, went and talked to him and uh, just followed his directions and went from there. And uh, busted my ass for a couple of years and, and he got to know me, uh, that I really went there to work. Um, and he didn't pay me because I was underage. Right. I wasn't supposed to be there, but he introduced me to everybody who came. So if Ronnie James Dio was playing that night, he would call me into the office and I would walk in and I wouldn't pay any attention to Ronnie James Dio. I'd walk straight up to Mr. Nix and he'd say, 
do you know this guy? And I'd look at him and say, yes, sir, I do. You know, this big shit eating grin on my face. <laughs> and uh, Ronnie James would stand up and I'd look down on him and, you know, say hello and nice to meet you. And, you know, a conversation for maybe a minute, two minutes. And then I would I would end the conversation and leave because that was part of the thing. I didn't want to overstay my welcome right. uh, with Mr. Nix or the artists that came in. So I got to meet everybody that came into the concert area. Um, Mr. Nix would rent me out uh, to the other venues that were in Phoenix at the time. So if anybody had a, a show going on, um, you know, wherever the other venues were, the larger venues, uh, he would call them and say, hey, you need Ed there because he's a hard worker. And I would go visit them and uh, work that night and work that show and stuff like that. Um, one of the things, like I said, I wasn't allowed to tell my friends that I worked there. So all my friends were going to all these concerts, um, you know, Scorpions and Ronnie James Dio and Aerosmith and, you know, all these people. And they're like, are you going to the show? And I'm like, nope, not going to the show. I don't have money for the ticket. And, you know, and I would sit there and I would do my thing during the during pre, you know, prep and stuff like that. Uh, during sound check and things like that. And during the concerts, I was usually standing on the side of the stage uh, just watching the show. And every once in a while, I'd poke my head, you know, my eyes out towards the curtain and see my friends, uh, you know, down in the front row or something like that, all crowded with, you know, everything. And I, I would kind of hide back and because I didn't want them to know that I worked there. But it was a lot of fun. People kept wondering why I never went to shows. But I was there, you, you know, there. So you just had the back, the backstage deal there. Oh yeah. Yeah. It was a lot. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. How fucking cool must it have been to, to meet Steven Tyler and Aerosmith, man. Like if there was a band that you could tell me that I could just chill with for not like not party, not fucking party hard, just chill, talk, you know, talk history, maybe, you know, do whatever, have a drink. Aerosmith would probably have to be it. I mean, what a cool group oh, yeah. of fucking guys that, I mean, I know Stevens had his stints where he likes to go off and do a solo thing, but they never really had that falling out. Like that. Some of the groups have had, they yeah. always wind up getting back together and still yeah. awesome. You know, Joe Perry and all those guys, I mean, just, just awesome. How cool was that to hang out with, with Steven for a day? It was awesome. When, when they finally showed up, they showed up probably about 10 30 in the morning. Um, and Mr. Nix called me into the office and Steven was sitting there and he said, do you know this guy? And I said, yes. Uh, he said, your job is to make sure that he's not alone all day. So I was like, okay. You know, so I spent all day with Steven Tyler taking stupid little pictures of him, uh, hanging out. We rode ATVs. We taunted the, the, the concert goers that were lining up. Because Compton Terrace had these big, huge vertical uh, uh, iron, you know, kind of gate thing. Column gate type uh, thing. Yeah, yeah. So we would sit there and, and I would drive the ATV and he would sit behind me and, he, you know, we're slapping hands with the crowd. And he says, get closer, get farther away, get farther away, get closer, <laughs> you know. And uh, we had a great time. We had lunch in the, in the, uh, in the cafeteria tent. And I got a bowl of frosted flakes and uh, put my milk in it, you know, with the little milk machine thing. And he said, what are you doing? I said, I'm getting cereal. He said, no, 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 no. That's not the way we do it. And he took my bowl and threw it across the tent and <laughs> poured more cornflakes in it uh, and then cracked open a Budweiser beer, and poured it in there. And I had to sit there and eat this disgusting um combination of frosted flakes and Budweiser beer. And he's just laughing the whole time. He thought it was funny. And I thought <clears throat> at the time, I thought that Mr. Nix was doing me a big favor because he knew Steven Tyler was my hero. Uh, you know, and I thought that he was kind of repaying me for all my hard work and that he was letting me hang out with Steven Tyler all day. And the older I got, the more I realized that I was not it wasn't a favor to me. I was babysitting Steven Tyler to make sure that he didn't get in trouble so he could still perform that night. And that's <laughs> that I think that's pretty much what my, 
my job was that day. But as a kid, I thought, you know, this is cool as hell. And I keep hearing bad stories about him that he's, you know, not a nice person and really nasty and things like that. I got to tell you, uh, and Stephen, if you're watching this, you probably don't remember that day at all, but it's one of the hugest things in my memory. (laughs) Um, You made my day. You were just like an instant brother. Uh, you were so nice and, and caring. And I, I just had the best time ever. And I don't know if it's because maybe Mr. Nick said something, you know, like take care of Ed or whatever right. it was, but I had a great time. It is one of the best stories that I have about anything in my musical, uh, my musical career, as far as what's going on with that. That's awesome, man. Um, I worked with a guy that was from Boston and I think I told you this story on the phone, but I'll tell it to you on the show uh, as well. So our listeners can hear it. He ran a paintball company and <laughs> I think he said they closed at like six o'clock or something like that. It's like five 30. They got a phone call and it was like, you know, Hey, what time you close at six? He's like, Hey, if we have a guy that's going to guarantee drop like a couple grand in there, right. will you stay open to like six 30, you know, 30 minutes past your closing time, but you know, still close your shop. But just right. be there to let us in. So he was kind of like, this is kind of weird, but all right, I guess. And he said, so he gets a call. He's like, hey, we're about to pull up. And he said he goes and he opens the door. And he's like, one guy comes in. He looks back, waves a guy in. Guy comes out. He's like, he's just starstruck because he's like a Steven Tyler. He said, I swear to God, I thought he was floating coming in there. He said, this big jacket <laughs> on, like fucking fur coming out of the back. He said, coming in. And he's like, dude, he's like, I don't want you to think I'm like, you know, all this and that. He's like, but I want to shop and look and talk about shit. And he's like, if I'm in here when people are in there, I can't concentrate. You're not going to be able to sell anything. No ransack your fucking store. And and he's like, so I'm doing you a favor, believe it or not. And he's like, but I'm going to spend some money. And he says, sure as shit. He bought it. I don't know if it was one of his kids or nephews or what it was, but he said they bought a lot of damn paintball stuff. Um, in there, I think he said he spent like almost four or $5,000 in there. Buying wow. all kind of paintball stuff. So the the one person that I know that meant Steven Tyler had good things to say about him. I've heard other people, right. you know, say those things too, but I think a lot of that just depends on, you know, when you meet him, man. I mean, you got to think these guys are on tour during the street. They could be, you know, on E or, or whatever, yeah. you know, maybe didn't enjoy the last set they had or something like that. You know, you can't always right. expect, uh, people to be in the best moods. That's just like you and I, I'm sure, you know, sometimes right. you wake up not in the best mood, same here. So, I mean, you can't <laughs> never, expect these guys, never happened to me. <laughs> you can't never. expect these guys to always be nice 24 seven. I mean, it's just right. not going to happen. Well, the one thing I think I told you on the phone is that, you know, a lot of musicians that I've run into they're, you know, like basketball players, they get in the zone mm-hmm. Um, and before a show, they're thinking about the show. They're thinking about the changes. They're thinking about the intros and stuff like that. And somebody comes up and says, Oh my God, it's Steven Tyler. And they're all in their face. And it's like, get the fuck out of my face, man. (laughs) You know? And, and I think that adds to the stories of him being not nice. Yeah. Um, you know, because every, the guy just wants to do his thing. And, you know, you're, you're all in his face and stuff like that. And I thought, I think that's a lot of where the stories come from, but I had a great time with him. Um, he'll always be one of the, the top echelon stories that I've got. So yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. He, I thought he was great. And such, so smooth, like on stage, he usually has the mic and like shit tied to the mic and just all the stuff. He's just one of them cool guys that just make it look effortlessly I like everything he does is just so yeah. suave and cool it's just yeah. i love watching them perform man um the day that they no longer tour that one of them passes away it'll be a sad day in music history oh yeah absolutely yeah the you know when i worked for mr nicks i i ran around doing a whole bunch of stuff and one of the things during aerosmith was i took this the mic stand and put it on the stage and for me that was like you know it's like, uh, what's, what's his name, you know, doing the, uh, we're not worthy. worthy. That's the way I felt. I mean, my, you know, this huge big grin on my face and you know, the, the, you know, whatever, but I, I just thought that was the coolest thing ever, uh, for a 17 year old kid to be doing. I, I just, yeah, that, that to me was, that's what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so, and I think we had this discussion also, you know, 
I think people underestimate because the photographers aren't necessarily front and center and things you hear about. I often equate, I think I made this analogy on the phone. I put those in the same category as like offensive linemen in football. You know, they do the dirty work, but it's really important to the team because if that offensive line ain't blocking, your running back can't run, he can't get yards, your quarterback can't throw down field. If you don't have a good photographer, then you can't market your stuff the right way. You can't put out good album covers. I mean, album covers, like you said, I think on the phone, that can make or break a band. I mean, yeah. that can, you know, that can change your CD sales. I mean, the one right now, I think that Nirvana uh, album cover with the baby in the pool. I mean, that's just one of those like iconic ones. And I mean, there's yeah. a lot of others, but I mean, it's just that right album cover, that right picture, like, like you said, can make or break, uh, an album or a band in general. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It can. I mean, you know, where would we be without pictures of Alice Cooper throwing a chicken out in the stage or <laughs> Ozzy Osbourne biting the head off a bat? I mean, where would those people be? Where would those stories be? Uh, without that, you know, you got sex pistols doing whatever they were doing and carving themselves up and Lou Reed and, you know, all these people, these iconic pictures of these famous rock stars and musicians that would not have existed had the photographers not been there. Right. So you would hear about stories. Okay. Yeah. Gene Simmons. Yeah. Okay. He dresses up in, you know, costume and stuff like that, but I don't know what he looks like because I've never been to his concert. The only way that we know that, you know, what bands are like is because of the photographs mm -hmm. and a good photograph will capture a person in. Like if you've never listened to Kiss and you're looking at him like, what in the hell is that? I got to go see this show. This guy's wearing nine inch platform shoes. I got to go see this for myself. And it adds to the concert goers. And then it, it ultimately adds to the people that listen to the music. So if you get a bad picture, like, you know, uh, it's never happened to me. <laughs> um, but if there's a band that, uh, are a bunch of assholes, you know, I will get, I will take their picture in completely shitty fucking ways. Uh, you know, just because it's like, you know, if the, if the guitarist is a dick or whatever, you know, fuck them. I'm not going to take any pictures of them. You just don't take yeah. any pictures of that guy. You know, the singer comes up and says, Hey man, how's it going? What's up? How's it going? You know? And you're like, yeah, I'll take pictures of you all night long, but your guitars can fuck off. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not taking any pictures of them, you know, or people, there are, there are bands out there. Um, uh, I, I can't, even, I can't think of his name right now. The bass player for uh, Judas priest. Um, I can't think of his name, but he was hiding back in the back of the stage pretty much the whole show. And I'm like, okay, dude, you're not, I'm, I can't take any pictures of you because yeah. you're hiding back there in the dark, yeah. you know? So, you know, I just, I just focused on Rob and, and, uh, the guitarists and stuff like that. So, and drummers, unfortunately, you don't get too many pictures of drummers because they're either on a high rise and they're out of touch with the photographer's lens um, you know, or they're hiding behind this huge big drum kit and all this, all you see is the top of their head bobbing up and down, you know, and it's like, okay, that's not going to be a good picture. So you don't get very many pictures of drummers either. Yeah, so probably Tommy Lee's like one of those ones that probably gets the, the most pictures out of anybody else. <laughs> yeah. Cause he's at, yeah, he's out in front. He thinks he's a singer. He, he yeah. lives his life as a singer behind a drum kit. So yeah, he's, he's pretty crazy. Um, I could tell you stories about them too. It would rack your brain. Dude, I bet, I bet. I mean, we're talking about just hanging out with somebody, you know, being cool conversation, laid back. I bet Motley Crue. I mean, I've, I've read the dirt, so I've read that and I've seen the movie, which was very scaled down from the dirt, but I bet those yeah, yeah. guys done some fucking partying, son, in their day. Yeah. 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 They, they, uh, I'm not, I don't know if I, should. there's, there's a lot of stories about Molly Crew that I have. <laughs> so I was. I'm sure there's got to be one that won't get anybody arrested. I I wasn't friends with them, but I was very close to where they lived, uh, like downstairs from where Vince lived, uh, and I, yeah, I, I was involved in a lot of stuff. So <laughs> uh, one of the, one of the stories. Uh, 
Yeah, one of the one of the stories is somebody passed out uh, at the party, and across the street you had the Esplanade, and then you had the beach, and somebody passed out at the party. And do you remember what a water balloon launcher is? Oh yeah. Okay. Like the, like the so big rubber band the, type thing. Yeah, yeah, with yeah. a little pouch on yeah. it. It's like a big slingshot. Yeah. So we took the person's keys, uh, put them in the slingshot, and bounced it right over the into the sand. So, oh. yeah, and that that was the tamest thing I think I can tell you about <laughs> that particular part. Oh, uh, dude. <laughs> but yeah, it's it, it's pretty crazy. And like I said on the phone, there's a lot of stories that I have about a lot of people that I don't want to mention. Uh, who they are or who I'm talking about, but mm-hmm. I can certainly tell you the stories because I have a reputation with the bands uh, and musicians that, you know, you can call me at three o'clock in the morning from the tour bus and say, you know, I'm having a shitty time or we just did this or I just did this and uh, I feel bad or I feel good and I feel really good. And, you know, um, you know, and just sit there and talk. And it's, it's a lot of fun. And I, I love the respect that they have for me because they know that once they tell me that story, that's as far as it goes. Was, so it's just, it's just two people talking. So without, naming, I don't know if I would consider any of them friends, right? but you know, good acquaintances. So without name dropping anybody, like what's one of the craziest stories, like that somebody called you and, and got you involved in the middle of the night. <clears throat> Uh, somebody called me one night, uh, it was probably maybe five in the morning, four or five in the morning. Um, they called me and they said they, they weren't sure, but they think the tour bus just hit somebody. Oh shit. <laughs> God damn. What, what are you doing? Why, why didn't you stop? And yeah, the bus just kept going. So they don't know if they hit somebody or not, but I was like, I don't know what the fuck that story was or whatever happened to it, but well, you know, not, <laughs> and it was before the internet. So it's not like you can look up and say, Oh, yeah. did somebody get hit on, you know, I five last some night. Poor bastard hit on I 45. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's, it's really strange. I mean, some of the stories are, you know, they were screwing around with one of the groupies and, you know, uh, they're married and, you know, their wife, is right in the next room and the, you know, they're doing stuff with the groupies and stuff like that. So it's pretty crazy stories. Uh, you know, I mean, it, there's a whole spectrum of stuff, whether they're doing drugs or they're drinking and they're not supposed to be drinking or doing drugs. Um, whether they're doing stuff with people that they shouldn't be doing or with somebody else's wife that they shouldn't be with, uh, you know, all, all this stuff. And it, it's more like, um, uh, like a confessional yeah. Uh, where they know that, you know, because of my days with Compton Terrace, they know that it, that's as far as it goes. Yeah. You know, and I've never told anybody, you know, uh, so, any of so the, you're like the, you're like the like local priests. They can go and just give their confessionals yeah. to. <laughs> and all I do is just sit there and listen. And if they're feeling bad, a lot of times they get depressed because they're away from their family and, you know, this and that and the other thing. And, and, you know, they get depressed and they call me up and they, they just want somebody to talk to. Yeah. And, you know, I make them laugh and tell them stupid shit and, you know, uh, stupid jokes and, you know, kind of blow out stories and things like that. And, and just make them laugh and talk to them for as long. It's kind of like the same thing with the Disney character. So it's, you know, the Disney characters will hug you as long as you hug them. Yeah it's the same kind of thing. You just talk to them on the phone for as long as they need to talk. And then, you know, when they end the phone conversation, that's, you know, they feel good enough to end the phone conversation. (laughs) Um, I had this conversation with somebody the other day. I actually think I was a guest on the podcast. We talk about like doing drugs and stuff like that. Like, you know, coming up when I was young, well, obviously this is before my time, but I mean, remember Elvis, you know, got hooked on drugs and stuff like that, but there wasn't a ton of like overdose deaths, you know, with musicians. I mean, there was some, now I'm not saying there wasn't, but it seems like nowadays, and I don't know if it's this fentanyl shit or what it is, but it seems like nowadays there's more people dying, you know, at an early age from this shit. And I'm looking at guys like Ozzy and Keith Richard. I mean, just, I mean, people have just been fucking partying for years, like partying hard and still going. Yeah. I think, I think a lot of it, 
with that is is that the older musicians, Ozzy and things like that, had to bust their ass to get where they were. Mm -hmm. And they worked their way up and they were born drinkers. Yeah. (laughs) And you were used to doing drugs and hard drugs. And that's just the way your life performed. I mean, that's the way you moved on life. And the people nowadays don't have that hard life that they have to get through uh, in order to get there, you know, like Ozzy, you know, living where he lived and then getting to where he got, uh, you know, that's just life. And nowadays you have, you know, your mom and dad are still married and you've got brothers and sisters and you were raised in a nice little place in Utah and everything was peachy keen and you never did drugs. And then now you're going out on stage in Europe somewhere, you know, on a tour that lasted 250 days and somebody's offering you drugs here and there and you just keep doing them and you're not used to them. Your body hasn't built up an intolerance to it, you know, or, or a way to condition yourself to it. Right. And they just drop dead. I mean, it's, it's unfortunate, but the, you know, the record companies don't care. Uh, you know, you put out three albums, they don't care if you're dead or not, they don't care. And it's, you know, it's, and honestly, it's called the dead man's bounce. So if, if Prince dies of an OD, his sales go through the roof. Oh yeah. You know, and the record companies make money off of it. And so they don't care and they'll, they, they don't offer you the drugs, but they certainly don't say, don't do that. Yeah. (laughs) We don't want you to do any drugs. You know, and the first three albums, they're like, get it done, get it done, get it done, get it done. Okay, now you've gotten it done. You've made enough money for us. Do whatever the hell you want. Yeah. And, you know, they don't put any stops to it and they're not working you hard like a workhorse. You're out to pasture and you can do what they want. If you still continue to make them money. Great. If you don't, that's fine. If you die, who cares? You know, because your your sales are going to go through the roof. So yeah, that's one thing that I've noticed here, especially lately. Like when someone passes away, be it like or recently, uh, the was the the Judd the Judd lady, uh, I don't know if it was Winona, yeah, yeah. Winona yeah. was that? Um, so like the Judds are like trending now on iTunes and everything else. When oh, yeah. somebody dies, it's like everybody goes back. It's almost like a way to remember them or something like that. You right. go back and then you play all their old songs and then. Like you say, that's almost like a damn a last extra hoorah to the record company. Uh, one last boost of money coming in for them. Absolutely, absolutely. One of my friends is um, uh, um, God. I just completely freaking spaced on his name. Um, bon Scott. Uh, his his he's Bon Scott's son, um, and I talk to him on a regular basis. And he gets absolutely zero for what Bon Scott did with ACDC. He gets absolutely nothing because the record companies, I guess, the contract was per contract, not per album or something. I'm not sure how that worked out. But Benjamin gets absolutely nothing uh, from all of that. So he's like, you know. And it's just crazy. And bands will screw each other into the ground. Um, You know, uh, Kiss, uh, Gene Simmons, him and Peter Chris, they didn't get along. So they had the new drummer record all of the past drumming from all the other albums. So when they're reprinting the new albums, the new drummer is getting the money for Peter Chris's stuff because he's the one that's on the album, the new uh, the newest album. Wow. So, yeah, when I met I met Bill Ward, I met Bill Ward. He was living in his car in San Pedro. Now, Bill Ward was the drummer for Black Sabbath and Black Sabbath. Ozzy had left or got kicked out, whatever the story is. And Tony Iommi had frozen all the bank accounts for Black Sabbath. Well, Ozzy didn't care because Ozzy had a solo career that was making money. But Geezer Butler and and. Bill Ward uh, were broke. So this guy's living out of his car. So when we met him, I said, how can you be Bill Ward? I mean, you know, you're living in the street. You're living in your car. And he opened up the trunk and there's all these gold records in the trunk of his car. So, I mean, you know, and then he's telling me the story about how that happened. And I'm like, you know, it's 
it's unbelievable what these guys do to each other, you know, when they, when they break up. And I don't know if it's a, it's a vindictive thing where, Hey, you screwed us, you left or you're leaving and we're just going to screw you into the ground and, you know, do our very best to, to make everybody's life as bad as possible, just because our feelings are hurt. I don't know what that deal is. So, I mean, it's, it's almost like a divorce, you know, most divorces end where you, you just hating each other and you just pounding heads up against each other. And I never thought that way. I was like, well, if you get divorced, you just, you know, see a, you know, whatever, you know, and you're fine with it. And I always thought that if I was in a band that if things broke up, you know, like Alice Cooper's first band that he had, um, when those guys left, he, there was no animosity towards those guys. It was just, we, it ran our course. We ran our course and we need to get some fresh faces in here and do some stuff. And whenever Alice Cooper talks about things like that with his first band, it's always very pleasant. Um, and he talks always, you know, very nicely about his original band members. So I think that's kind of cool, but I, I think that also goes with Alice Cooper's mentality and his, his personality. So, yeah. Um, I interviewed, uh, Tom McLaughlin not too long ago and he done uh, Friday the 13th part six and <laughs> Alice Cooper had like a certain song in there that was kind of dedicated to that out. Alice Cooper's just one of those dudes, man. He always kind of inserted himself to whatever was kind of cool and hip oh, yeah. at the time. Like I remember he, even in wrestling, he got in there with like Jake, the snake Roberts, you know, in the snake pit and stuff like that. And then he done right. the, the teenage Frankenstein, I think was the song that oh, he yeah. had. And, uh, the Friday, the 13th, he just wanted to go those guys is always kind of knows how to play the game and insert yeah. himself into pop culture and what's cool and going on at the time to, to keep his name relevant. And uh, obviously, oh, yeah. you know, look at, he's been doing it for years. So he's, he knows a thing or two about a thing or two. <laughs> it's funny. Be, I, there's a Dodge dealer in Scottsdale, uh, I don't know if he still owns it, but at the time he owned it. And when you walk into the Dodge dealer, there's pictures of Alice Cooper everywhere. <laughs> it's like, what, <laughs> like, what the what's going on here? What? Yeah, Alice Cooper owns the shop. So, okay. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah, he's the, some of those guys, you know, put their fingers in all kinds of pies. The smart ones do. Yeah. Uh, make money, you know, because, you know, not everybody's an Alice Cooper or an Ozzy Osbourne, you know. Right. And, their careers are going to last three or four years, and that'll be the end of that. I mean, yeah, you got to you know, look. You got to protect yourself. Yeah, got to look long term. And going back to what you were talking about with the record deals, I mean, I hear all the time about how people, you know, get screwed on the record deals. That's why a lot of people now, if they have the ability, are trying to do like independent and own their own. Uh, what's that? I think there's a term to own their own uh, masters. That's yeah, like yeah. the key where a lot of people are trying to get to, um, especially these new up and comers. There's a guy. <laughs> He was a rapper, uh, Master P, but he done everything like solo. He owned all his own masters. He produced all of his own stuff, and he had um, a lot of rappers up under him. I think he called them No Limit Soldiers. And it's I remember when I was a kid, that was kind of like his peak, and it seemed like they were coming out with a damn CD like every week almost, like everybody in oh, his yeah. entourage. And, I mean, he made a lot of money, and he schooled a lot of those guys to tell oh, yeah. them how to do it. And, and when you can keep your own masters and control it, you're making a whole lot more money. Yep. Yep. Yeah. You, you have to be in control of the stuff. You have to have some kind of business sense to mm-hmm. be able to do that or have somebody that you trust. Uh, and that's a big word. Yeah. Um, you have to have somebody that you can trust to handle all that and take care of you, you know, and I don't know who it was. Uh, that I was talking to a couple weeks ago that said uh, one of their, one of the managers of this musician um, took all the money from the musician at the beginning of his career and was buying land with it. And at the end of the guy's career, you know, he's like, well, what am I going to do? My career's over. I'm too old. And he's, well, you got all this land. (laughs) You know, so it's like, what do you mean I have all this land? Yeah, all the money that you had given me to take care of for you, I bought, I purchased land with it. So the guy was filthy rich. Yeah. uh, By the time it was all over with. And he's like, you know, oh, my God, I don't I don't know who it was. Um, I want to say buddy guy, but I don't think it was buddy guy because uh, 
I would have remembered the conversation a little better if if it had come from him. Yeah. So I don't I, I don't remember who it was. That's always so. the the one of the things that they say, you know, buy land because God ain't making any more of it. What's left of right. it is what he got. <laughs> God ain't making any more of it, but the people in Dubai are. So <laughs> yeah. you know, gotta figure out where you want to live. Now I gotta think like when you're working you're behind the scenes at these uh, concerts and things like that. Did you have any pull as to who got who was able to get back there? Because I mean, as a as a backstage hand, I got to think I might uh, look for some favoritism by some of these people trying to get back there. You know, just so uh, I, I <laughs> we, we I I don't know. Was it you that I had this conversation with yes, the other day? Yeah. So yeah. So yeah, there, there were instances where people would show up, uh, not people, women, girls would show up, uh, when I was younger and they would see me with my backstage pass. Uh, I don't know where the backstage passes are, but, um, they would see the backstage pass and say, Hey, can we get backstage? And I'm like, no, you know, I, I, stuff to do. We'll, we'll, we'll do this, you know, for a backstage pass. And you're like, really? And you're checking them out. You're like, yeah, I wouldn't mind that. So you go ahead and, you know, have them pull around in the, you know, in between the trucks or whatever, give you a blow job. And then you're like, okay, well, I'll be right back. I'll go get your pass. And then you take <laughs> off and you're like, yeah, whatever. You know, I don't know who it was. And then you see them later on. They're like, fuck yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was looking for you. I don't know where you went. <laughs> That's right. I Did you it. stay near the truck? Because yeah. really, I went back and yeah. you weren't there. I, don't, I, I gave I don't it to another there. blood. I'm sorry. Right. <laughs> Get me tomorrow. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. One of the one of the things that's at, at Compton Terrace was is that if the band members saw someone, uh, they would kind of point to the security guards you know, her right there. Yeah. You know, and then the security guards would get them backstage and then they would do whatever they wanted to with backstage. And then, you know, you'd see those girls running around Yeah. So every once in a blue moon, the same girl that they picked out is the same girl that did you a favor being, <laughs> you know, behind the bus. And she just, she wouldn't even pay attention. You know, fuck yeah. up, walk by. You I'm know. with the band now. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. You're with the band now. Uh, you wait an hour till it's ready to get time to go on yeah. the bus. You know, you'll be escorted off the property. So, yeah. So it's, you know, I, I don't, I don't really know if that happens much anymore. I know that it did back in when I first started. Yeah, hell um, now I don't know if you, you even want to chance it right now with the way things are these days. Boy. Exactly. So especially with COVID, I think all that stuff is closed down. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that Slash's bodyguard was really tight uh, about uh, all the COVID restrictions and stuff like that the last yeah. time they were here. So uh, I, I wouldn't imagine that happens very much in the last two or three years. Um, plus all the older guys uh, that we're discussing, um, all have families now, families right. and kids and things like that. Yeah. So, uh, they don't do the drugs. They don't drink that much or at all. Um, and they, they don't screw around because usually their wife is right with them. <laughs> yeah. You know, they're back there backstage waiting yeah. on to get done. So, you um, know, if you ever see slash in concert, his girlfriend is sitting right off stage every night. I so had like, the pleasure of doing that. Um, yeah. uh, it was about 20, I'd say 2016. It was when they got together to do their reunion tour uh, with Axel. Axel was back singing yeah, yeah. lead. Um, uh, Slash was guitarist. And I think uh, Duff was even playing uh, guitar with them. And they were at the Washington Redskins Stadium. And nice. uh, Allison Chains opened up for them. And man, I tell you what, it was a hell of a show. It was probably yep. one of the better concerts I'd ever been to. And it was funny because, I mean, you know, God, don't we all? That's why I only camera from the neck up. But, you know, Axel's put on a few pounds. But oh, I'm yeah. going to tell you, when he got in his songs where he was running from one end of the fucking platform to the other, he would go yep. balls out. And then, you yep. know, he would disappear. And then Slash would just play like a 10 minute guitar solo. Like he played the theme from the Godfather on his guitar. Right. It was one of the coolest fucking things I'd ever seen. And I right. was like on the side, I was towards the front, about maybe 10 rows back, 
but I was like on the side where he was and they had this huge screen up there, like a close up picture of him. I mean, it was just awesome to watch him do that. Yeah, yeah. So it was like, he would do that while I guess Axel went and got some oxygen and changed clothes. That's, that's <laughs> what I was just going to say. They're, they're back there sucking oxygen. So. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, they, there, they rocked it, man. A, there's a musician. One of my, one of my friends that lives near me is Roger Fisher. He's the guitarist for heart. Uh, and I got the opportunity to go see, um, Ann Wilson, uh, backstage and, and I was taking photographs of the show and stuff like that. And I walked around the corner right before the show and she's sitting on one of the steps and, you know, sucking oxygen and stuff like that. And I think I embarrassed her, but, you know, I just kind of acted like I didn't know who she was and turned around and walked away. But, you know, it's embarrassing for those guys because they think they're old if they have to suck oxygen, but they've been doing that for a long time. You know, I mean, you know, Steven Tyler had his things in his mic stand and the, you know, in the, you know, sewn into the, the fabric of the mic stand stuff. And, you know, all those guys have been doing that kind of thing since, you know, probably the dawn of rock and roll concerts. Yeah. So, you know, it's nothing new. It's nothing that they should be ashamed of. I mean, it, it's just part of the thing, you know. I mean, I couldn't get up there and, and cruise around for a half an hour running back and forth. I'd be dead. Hell I'd no. be honest. Oh, yeah, I'd be dead. Yeah. People I, would be like. I watched Garth Brooks um, came to a uh, uh, Coliseum here where I live at in Charleston, and he was in a fucking hoodie and pants and was running back and forth sliding. And I was just like, I don't know how the hell he's in that hoodie. Like I was sweating, just looking at him do that. I was like, I would have to be coming out of that thing. And he done it. Like when he first came, it was a big deal. Cause it was like, you know, first time he had done one in a while, you know, the stadium tour. And so I bought the tickets, but it was like the seven o'clock show. Me and my wife went, well, I think it sold out like in record time, mm-hmm. at least for around here. So we yeah. added a second show at like 12, then that was on Friday. Well, then he added a, another show on Saturday. That one sold out. Then he added a second show Saturday, and I think one on Sunday. So he had five shows in two and a half days, really. And yeah. Dude, we didn't even get done. I had the 7 o'clock. I think the concert was scheduled to start for the second one at like 11. We didn't even leave till like 11.30. So he's already yeah. 30 minutes behind, and I'm leaving, and i seen some people in line that were coming in for that one. And I was like, man, y'all going to be in here all night. And he said that they went on to like one in the morning. And I mean, yeah. that's just, that's, I mean, you know, what should, I mean, that's Garth Brooks, you know, that's why people yeah. love going to his concerts because they're going to get their money's worth. Yeah. Um, yeah. People like uh, Bruce Springsteen and Paul McCartney put on the, put on these hour and a half, two hour, three hour shows. And it's like, how the hell is that guy doing that? Cause I can't, you know, I, I, I couldn't walk back and forth to my driveway two times without being out of breath. Right. So I don't know how they're doing that, but you know, that's what they're used to doing. And uh, who knows how they do it, but God bless them. You know, they, they they do it every night. So, you know, Um, to get back on the photography for a minute, I think it's, it's ironic because like I said, we've discussed the importance of photography for quite a while, Uh, especially, you know, album covers, things like that. Well, here lately, you know, there's this app that I'm sure everybody listens to or, or is on it, um, Instagram. And that's yep. kind of made the world have maybe a little bit more appreciation for photography. It's opened up a lot of people to be more creative with their photos and things yep. like that, which I think is a great thing. But before that, people didn't really have ways to showcase their photography. Um, you know, maybe Facebook, maybe if you're going back before that, MySpace somewhat. Um, right. which I, I really liked, man. I hated, I, I actually hated Facebook when it first came yeah. out. I was a MySpace fan because you had the ability to put music with it. Um, right. and that's why I liked it. But going back to like when you were doing this in the heyday, what was some of your favorite photos? Because I know you got to have some favorites, uh, that I took yeah, or that, that you other took. people took, uh, Steven Tyler, you know, was top of the line. Um, Ronnie James Dio, there was a couple that I took from uh, Grateful Dead, and I'm not a big Grateful Dead person, but the pictures were really good. Right. Um, uh, David Bowie, there was a few that I liked out of David Bowie. Um, but again, when I did this, when I started doing this, I worked for the venues, 
And there wasn't too much time for me to do that kind of stuff. It was more like one song. And, you know, nowadays it's three songs. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get, you know, you get to shoot three songs and then you, you got to leave. Um, you know, but back in the back when I first started this, it was more like, do I have the opportunity to take that picture? Mm-hmm. And you just kind of take the picture that you can. And it was a 35 millimeter camera that had 36 exposures on it. So you could take and you had to wind it between the shoot, you know, and stuff like that. So uh, <laughs> out of the 36 pictures, you might get one picture or two pictures that were worth keeping because you couldn't change the IPO or the speed, you know, and things like that, or the F-stop on these little cameras that I had uh, that I started with. And, you know, is either too dark or too light or too blurry or, you know, whatever. And you just by chance got this one good picture uh, while somebody was on stage. And it wasn't until later on that I started getting Nikon equipment and, you know, getting better at doing things and, and taking pictures of people. Um, the, the one person that I really like taking pictures of because I enjoy the show is Buddy Guy. Um, I don't know if you know who he is, but if you don't know who he is, you got to look him up. He, he's just an amazing, amazing guitarist. Um, really nice guy, really fun stories, great show, um, great concert. Uh, and he's really fun to, to take pictures with. Who's he play the other with? person? Who's he play I'm sorry. With? Who does he play with? Buddy it's guy? just him. Just oh, buddy just guy. Yeah. I don't know if I've ever yeah. heard of him. Yeah. He's, he, he did a lot. Every guitarist that's out right now for the past 40 years was influenced by buddy guy. Wow. So he's, he's the guy. Um, so yeah, give him a listen to the other, the other one was, uh, the other one that sticks out in my head is Elton John, Mm -hmm. uh, really enjoyed shooting him because we kind of played back and forth off of each other. Um, so that was kind of fun. It was, it's really cool when somebody that, you look up to, and I'm not a huge, big Elton John fan. I mean, I'm just like everybody else. You listen to five, six songs, but, uh, when he saw me there and, you know, I was kind of playing with him and he was playing with me. It was great. It was great interaction between, and there were times during that show that honestly, I felt like that entire concert was for me only. And I forgot about the other uh, 20,000 people that were standing behind me. But it was it was really cool. It was really, really cool. And there, you know, with like Alice Cooper, I love shooting Alice Cooper. This picture right here of Alice Cooper, um, just unbelievable picture. Alice Cooper, Um, the who um, you've got Pete Townsend over here and you've got uh, Roger up there. So you got those guys. Dweezil Zappa was kind of cool because I knew his dad. And before the show, um, I talked to Dweezil and Dweezil doesn't like his pictures being taken, but I talked to him before the show and said, Hey, I was friends with your dad. He introduced me to Steve Vai and blah, 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 blah. And then during the show, I got to shoot the show and and that was kind of nice. Um, uh, Joe Satriani, uh, you know, uh, slash, um, the other guys that I've shot before the guys from LA guns. Yeah. And, um, you know, Phil, uh, Lewis and I have become friends, um, over the past, however long, but I I love Phil because him and I have a lot of things in common. It's, it's kind of bizarre. Um, when we start talking about different things, it's like, you like that too? It's like, yeah, me too. It's like, how about this? You like that? Yeah. It's like, you know, it's, it's so (laughs) strange that, uh, we're so connected and come from such diverse backgrounds, but, um, that he's one of the guys that I really like too. They've got a new album out by the way. Um, LA guns, LA guns has wow. a new album out and I can't, I can't remember what the name of the album is for some reason. I think it's checkered past, but I'm not positive on that. Um, but they're coming up, getting ready to tour. And I got to tell you him and Tracy, man, and the rest of the guys in the band kill it. Uh, they really really do it's like i don't want to say stepping back in time because everybody has matured um but it's the same kind of energy right uh that it was back in the 80s and early 90s 
Um, it's, it's a fantastic show. And the cool thing about those guys is they don't do large shows. They like their pockets small and they do it on purpose because it's a much better atmosphere to do that. Um, and it's a great show. It's real personalized. It's, it's more in your face and there's a lot of energy. So if you, if anybody has the chance to go see these guys, go see them because they really blow the doors off of everything. Yeah. A lot of guys are are starting to back tour. Finally, I think like Motley Crue is going on tour right now with a poison and Def Leppard. Um, Joan Jett, I think is even joining them on some, uh, you know, some venues. So, I mean, just if you're a fan of rock and roll, man, you know, catch these guys when you can, because like we mentioned earlier, you don't know when some of these greats are going to start passing away. And, you know, to me, like I said earlier, one of the greatest concerts I was ever been to was, was guns and roses. And I mean, just being able to see slash play that guitar, in my opinion, you know, one of the greatest guitarists ever, uh, it was just awesome. And I had my daughter with me and, you know, I had to kind of explain to her who Guns N' Roses was. <laughs> and right. she was, I was just like, you know, you've heard their shit. You might not know it was her name, but like you had to heard it in movies and stuff like that. And then once she started, oh, I know that song. Oh, I know that song. And I'm like, look, yeah. these guys were fucking awesome. It's like, you're going to like this concert. And she loved it. And so yeah. I, I, I got to school all my kids on that, man, because I, I spent a little <laughs> time in radio. And so we had this station up there to where it was like uh, hits from yesterday and today. So it play a lot of oldie stuff and like eighties music is like my favorite genre of music to even still today. It's just, that's when music, I don't know. It just felt different, man. I mean, there's some good shit out there today, but it's, it's few and far between most of it's just fucking hot garbage to be quite honest. Um, you know, back then you just, you felt it. There was a, even though I wasn't, you know, old enough to appreciate it. Then I still feel it now. And that when a music stands the test of time, that's when you know that it was written, you know, from the heart. A lot of those guys were writing those songs from the heart and it was stuff they were living and stuff like that. It was, you know, really good shit. Yeah. Yeah. Now you're actually guns and roses. And I, we, we had some history together. Uh, and at one point, uh, Duff McKagan and I, had a falling out a couple of years ago. And it, it's not that we are friends. We weren't friends, but we're acquaintances. And I was, I thought I was doing something nice uh, for him and his wife. And for some reason, everything just blew up and got completely whacked out on proportion. And I was like, what? The? I was just dropping books off. So it's like, you know, I don't know how this whole thing blew out of proportion, but, uh, you know, whatever. And I, I haven't talked to him since, but, uh, you know, whatever Uh, stuff happens. So, you know, misunderstandings and miscommunications and things like that. And, and I probably overstepped my comfort level, you know, and he didn't understand that it wasn't a malicious thing. It was just, here's a book. I thought you'd like to read it. Yeah. You know, and you know, so who knows what the hell happened, but you know, everybody is always after these guys for doing something, mm-hmm. you know, can you do this? Can you do that? Can you sign this? Can I k- take your picture? Can I interrupt you while you're eating dinner or walking down the street with your kid? Yeah. And you know, it's no wonder these guys are very guarded individuals Um, you know, because they don't know, they're not going to give you the opportunity to explain yourself, but you know, it's like, okay, I'm pissed off at you because you did this. And it's like, I didn't do that. It was just, (laughs) you know, kind of thrown out of whack. So, but I, you know, you can't blame these guys because they, can you picture Axl Rose going to Denny's having lunch? That'd during be, be you know a, dinner time i mean that'd be a fucking be pandemonium. <laughs> yeah. yeah or you know going to good stuff down in redondo beach you know vince neal and tommy and, and and you know these guys hanging out at good stuff on the beach it would be pandemonium yeah i mean so you, you people i think anything. a lot of times say they want to be that famous guy that rock star or whatever but you have to live a different type of lifestyle like you said there's just no yeah. going getting in the car and going to a restaurant to eat. You can't, I mean, you'd be swamped. I mean, it would just, you know, it's a different lifestyle altogether. Now yeah. you mentioned, Can you imagine Elton John bringing his kids to Chuck E. Cheese. Oh dear God. 
Yeah, I don't think that would happen. I don't, you know, it's not something that's going to happen very easily. Now that, that's when he just rents out the whole damn Chuck E. Cheese exactly. <laughs> or yeah. just builds one in his backyard or something. Right. <laughs> you got a full-time mouse back there. Right. <laughs> um, you mentioned books earlier. We'll use that to kind of segue into it. You're actually putting together a book from your, is it kind of got pictures of your photography in it? Tell us a little bit about that. The, the book has mainly uh, portraits in it. Uh, it does have some concert stuff in there. Elton John, I think Buddy Guy, um, Rob Halford. Uh, there's a few other ones that I think are in there, but mainly it's just uh, um, portraits uh, that I've done of, of uh, not famous yet. Right. Uh, actors and actresses and uh, movie directors and fashion designers um, things like that, but it's, it's some of my best work. It's 300 pages long Wow! and it's a hardcover and it's glossy pages and it's quite pricey. It's 250 bucks. Mm. Um, but I'm not last year. I ordered the book in bulk and everybody paid like, I think it was 60 bucks for the books, but this time I, I didn't do that. I didn't buy it in bulk. Uh, so I'm just ordering it as people order it from me. So right. if anybody's interested, um, and again, I like my photography. Everybody likes my photography work, but in my head, I'm like, why in the hell would people, you know, want to see a picture that I took of whoever, yeah. you know, <laughs> it's my picture. I, I I'm not understanding why that happens. And, uh, you know, some of the people, I can see, you know, they want to see Elton John and stuff like that. But yeah. uh, some of these people are buying the book and they're like, yeah, I really want that book. Uh, you know, can you order it for me? He's like, yeah, you know. Uh, and I say, you're not in the book, are you? And they're like, no, no, we're not in the book. We just want the book. I'm like, why? <laughs> you know, <laughs> you're like, it could be worth some money someday. I'm like, yeah, recycling, I think, is going to be hitting the roof here in yeah. about 10 years. And you could probably get another extra $10 out of it. So I, you know, I appreciate that people want the book, uh, but I can't understand why anybody who's not in the book uh, or associated with somebody that's in the book would want the book. But yeah. if you'd like the book, <laughs> you can hear it. so now where would they get that? Some from? of my best work though. So I'm really pleased with it. If they do like that book, or there might be somebody listening to this that you got pictures of in there and they recognize you. If they do like it, where would they go about finding it? Uh, you would contact me through Facebook or Instagram. Instagram is dose.photo, D O S E dot photo. And then on Facebook, it's Edward. Uh, Dose on, on Facebook. So it's Edward Dose, D-O-S-E on Facebook. So, uh, or you can go to the webpage and contact me through the webpage. The webpage I'm sure is going to be listed down below, but Absolutely. Uh, that's Edward Dose photography, uh, com. So you can look on there in my portfolio and all the pictures are on there. Yeah, I looked on there when you sent it to me and messenger, you got some great stuff on there, man, for sure. Uh, nice. really, thank you. Really, uh, really good shots. Um, listen, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show, man. We got to shoot the shit a little bit, talk good music, oh, yeah. pictures, rock and roll stories, uh, favoritisms that was played by backstage passes. I mean, all good conversation, man. I enjoyed it. <laughs> I like the favoritism. So <laughs> if there's anybody out there that did me a favor, uh, <laughs> I don't know who you are. So it's like, you know, you're going to have to remind me yeah. in, in detail yeah. of who you are. What did what you do did. again? <laughs> Send pictures. That's the best way to do these things. Yeah. Send, I'll remember it quite clearly. If you send pictures, <laughs> well, we appreciate you coming on the show, man. I've had a blast. I really have. Yep. You're welcome. Anytime. For sure. We'll definitely have you back, man. Shoot the breeze a little bit again Got later you. on. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Hollywood Wade. That was Edward Dose. And unfortunately, we are out of time. Tune in next week for a new episode of Crime and Entertainment. We appreciate it, my friend. Well, boy, oh boy, what an episode that was. We hope everybody enjoyed that episode. You know, I'm a big rock head myself. I love the old, especially the 80s rock, man. I'm a fan. Uh, I've just seen that, you know, Recently, um, was a Def Leppard, Poison, Motley Crue, Joan Jett have gone on tour. 
What a fantastic tour that would be to get to see. You know, those guys are legends. Guys and girls uh, are legends um, in the business. And you never know, like we said in this interview, when some of those guys are going to hang up the hat. So, you know, those are just guys that paved the way for who you have now. They paid the dues. They partied hard. Um, and I'm just a big fan. You know, I know everybody's probably seen the movie The Dirt, the highlighted Motley Crew. I want to push everybody, if you enjoyed that movie and you've never read that book, go out and get that book. Uh, if you're more of an audible person, you can get it on Audible and have it read to you. Them guys done some serious partying now, let me tell you, believe you me. Go out and get that. It's called The Dirt. I promise you, you will not be disappointed. You ain't going to come back and tell me, hey, Hollywood, I want my money back. You, you know, it's three or four hours of my life I won't get back. Uh-uh-uh. Very, very, very good book. We hope everybody enjoyed that episode there with Edward Dose. If you're interested in maybe getting some photography done with him, you know, hit him up. Depending on where you are in the country, you might be close to him. You can go get some work done. His website will be in the show notes of our episode here. So go hit him up if you're interested in purchasing his book that he spoke about. We're going to have a link to that as well in the show notes. If you want to go ahead and purchase that and get it shipped to you, got some great, great photography in there. Now, when it comes to our show here, we hope everybody is, you know, following along on all the social media, such as Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. We put out our clips for the weekly episodes on there. Even if we drop something new, we put out a clip on there as well. So make sure you follow those and you don't just depend on the YouTube or the audio side of things, because sometimes we drop things that are exclusive to one or the other. We've dropped a few things exclusive to audio. We've dropped a few things exclusive to YouTube, so it's important to follow along at both. So please make sure you like us on Facebook. Make sure you follow us on Instagram. Make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, be that Apple or Spotify or Stitcher. Stitcher's a good one I like to tell people about that don't like subscription-based stuff. It's absolutely free. Uh, it's for Apple. It's for Android, either phone that you have. You can get that, and we are on there. It's absolutely free. You need to sign up for Not A Thing, and you can follow along on there as well. And, of course, be sure to go subscribe to our YouTube channel. We're doing a lot of stuff there with the videos, trying to add in some pictures to give you guys some visual aid of who some of these people are talking about, you know, if you may not know, and some of the crime videos. And even this video here with Eddie, we added some pictures of some of the rock stars that he mentioned. So that stuff takes a lot of time, and we put a lot of effort into it. So go give us a like on there. Uh, share it with your friends, folks, please. That's kind of how the word gets out about us. And we absolutely appreciate all you guys tuning in, listening every week from the bottom of my heart. I'm doing this over a year now, and I cannot ever say that it's felt like a job, that it's been a hindrance, a nuisance, or that I'm not looking forward to it. I truly enjoy it, and it's just been a pleasure, and I hope to keep bringing you guys great, great content each and every week. And for that, I am Hollywood Wade, that with Edward Doucet, photographer of the rock stars. And unfortunately, we are out of time. Tune in next week for an all-new episode of Crime and Entertainment.